0: The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad, pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast.
1: What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I am joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger Basketball... Beat writer, uh, fresh off a quick road trip to Atlanta, where he watched the Memphis basketball team lose to Auburn 74-71. Uh, the Tigers drop to 4-3 and three on the season. Their non-conference slate is now over. If you blinked, you missed it. Um, they, they, they move into conference play officially this week uh, when they take on uh, Tulane. On the road on Wednesday night, um, but a lot to break down from the Auburn loss—a significant loss. It felt like um, both because of what happened on the court and also the implications down the line of going four and three in non-conference play and not really having an impress—you know, your your most impressive non-conference win. Will have been over St. Mary's, Um, so uh, a lot to get to um, in this episode. We'll also talk about DeAndre Williams potentially returning this week, or not returning, debuting this week. Um, But wanted to start with the Auburn game, obviously, um, because of it was disappointing. I mean, this is this was not. I think my my biggest issue with this loss, Jason, is not actually what it looked like on the court. Cause, and this is gonna. This, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing. I actually thought they they looked more cohesive um, than they did in any game except maybe the St. Mary's game. Um, like they looked pretty good for decent amount of stre- for a decent amount of stretches of the game. Um, but where I think this is like. Why this loss is so bad. It's not because you know, like Auburn's a decent team, I guess. It's just that when you when you think down the line to selection Sunday, there's, you know, you're gonna be looking for comparison points of, you know, for Memphis compared to some of these other teams that, you know, presumably are gonna be scratching and clawing for a tournament berth. And I just think Auburn's gonna lose a lot of games this year. And they're going to lose a lot of games to SEC teams. And so, and they're going to be in the bottom part of the SEC. And so, I really think other like, whereas like losing to Western Kentucky, who's going to win Conference USA. And, um, you know, I guess the VCU loss was bad in this way too. But like VCU and Auburn aren't bad teams necessarily, but they're going to lose to a lot of teams this year. And it's going to, both of them are going to become data points that are used against Memphis. Um, Like Memphis wouldn't have gained that much from beating VCU and beating Auburn, but it just feels like they're going to lose a lot because they have those losses because the loss will be able to be used against them. But that that all being said, if they don't start playing better, we're not going to have to worry about selection Sunday again. So I guess what was your, Biggest takeaway, Jason, from this Auburn loss?
0: I mean, lack of execution. I mean, I think that's that was the overwhelming –
1: When you say lack of execution, because that's a very coach-speaky phrase, what do you mean exactly?
0: Okay, so uh, Memphis was 11 for 27. What the box score defines as a layup, Memphis made 11 – and had sixteen either blocked or they just straight up missed. Nice. Um, and they also missed at least three dunks, maybe four dunks if you count the one where DJ actually where the whistle blew and got fouled, uh, or where he was uh, somebody fouled him. But but I mean that is that that is
1: just really bad um, execution. Eleven to twenty seven from. From layup range, yes, that's horrendous.
0: Yeah, I mean, you need to, on layups and dunks. You need to be somewhere in the seventy-five percent to eighty percent range. And on the season, Memphis is fifty percent on layups, fifty percent, sixty-seven of one thirty-four mark. Um, that to me just underscores a just a. a an overwhelming lack of execution. I mean, the, the opportunity, what I'm saying is the opportunities are there. They have the opportunity to make an easy basket, to make a a, a relatively easy basket and they're not doing it. And so we can get into why or why, you know, why they're not falling or why they're not getting these shots to fall or whatever. But um, the bottom line is they're not falling. And I just, Think that Auburn, the Auburn game was where it looked the worst to me. Um, where where yeah. you, you the opportunities were there, and Memphis could not convert. Uh, so it's just that that to me more than anything else. I know the fans are kind of getting um, chippy. Uh, what's that?
1: They're restless. I think is the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, definitely getting chippy a little bit cool. about um, about. I mean, let's face it. There, there's more and more people are starting to become uh, vocal about uh, Penny Hardaway's ability to coach, and I, and we can. I don't know if you want to save this or not, but I, I don't necessarily. I get that there. Yes, he's not perfect, and yes, he has a lot of. Um, uh, could he be better in 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 a lot in in a number of ways? Sure, but against Auburn specifically, we are talking about just the Auburn game. I thought he put his players in, in position to be successful. They were in position to be successful. How many, I mean, they were six of 21 from three. Most of those 15 looks were good shots. They just didn't fall. Um, Good opportunities. They just didn't, they just didn't go in the basket. And that's not something that Penny Hardaway can, you know, he can't go out there and make the free throws. He can't make the three pointers. He can't, he can't make the layups. So, that's on that's on the players and they're not getting it done.
1: And I, I watched I watched that game. I didn't watch it live because I was at the Houston Memphis Houston football game, but I watched it afterwards and I had seen some of the chatter on social media like kinda get on Penny. And so I was expecting to watch a poorly coached game. What I saw was not a poorly coached game. Um I saw a team that Sorry, my dog just came in here. She's she's compl- she's not happy about the, the, the heat Penny's taken either. Yeah.
0: Um no, she's, but, she's like preempting your your pro penny argument here.
1: Yeah, no, Um, but I saw I saw a team, I, I didn't see a team that was poorly coached. Like the rotations were fine, the like it wasn't coaching that lost them that game. Like I I think back to this is just one sequence, like to your point. It was 70 to 67 with like a minute and a half left. Alo drives to the cup, beats his man off the dribble, makes the right decision, the right skip pass to a wide open Landers Nolly, who's open for a three. So Alo does exactly what he's supposed to do, which is something that hasn't happened very often this year. Landers, Nolly, wide open for a three that would tie the game with like a minute and change left. And Landers missed the three. And like, that's not, you know, like guys miss threes all the time, but like he was wide open. And if he hits that three and Memphis wins 74-71, we're, you know, it's the, the, the narrative is totally different. And so that's why I think it's too easy just to say it's Penny's fault. Does he have, does he, does he shoulder some of the blame? Sure. But I wouldn't say it was from an X's and O's standpoint, oh. one, or even from a rotation standpoint. My biggest issue right now with this team is, and with Penny, is he told us in the preseason, these guys get it now. These freshmen are sophomores. They all came in thinking they were one and done's. And, but now they understand like you gotta play a role, you know, there's there's certain uh, certain pecking order in, of things. None of that's actually happened. The same like like Penny said all that in the preseason, but then you're listening to DJ Jeffries after this game and you're listening to Penny after South Dakota, like they haven't learned anything. Like they're still selfish as all get out. They still all think they're better than they actually are. And so that's on them. Like, that's not – that's not, you know, in terms of, like, the Auburn game, that's not on Penny's coaching. But in the grand scheme of things, the macro sense of this program, that 100% is on Penny. Like, the fact that he has not gotten through to these players is, you know, like – we're only seven games into this season and my dog is not happy about this at all, at she's all. Like, she's like, preach Mark, preach, yeah, preach. Um, but like that is that, that is a problem that, and I don't know, you know, it's like, it, 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 it's from a macro sense. I feel like patience is running thin Yeah, from a micro sense, like this season, like it's still just seven games, right? I know that they've they've put themselves in a very difficult position now, but I'm not um, convinced that this is some lost cause this season. Like they can still turn it around. They've they've just made they've made things extremely difficult on themselves with how they played in non conference play. But I still believe, like I what I saw on Saturday. There's enough there that if you if you can if you can knock out some of this you know this me over we type of attitude that they see, that some of the players seem to have if you can just not you're not going to get rid of all of that but even if you can just get it a little bit better you can see this team can win games now I, you know it's gonna, they're going to have to. Get a lot more consistent to win the number of games that they're going to need to win now to be a tournament team, but but I think that to me is the biggest issue overall is that this concept of we've figured out a pecking order, we've figured out who's playing what role, like they haven't figured any of that out, and that's a real issue, Um, and. You know, I think it, frankly, this is where I'm, you know, Penny gets a lot of credit for being a great recruiter. And he is, if you look at the recruiting rankings. But I would say what this year has shown is that there's a hole in his recruiting process. In that one, he has failed to recruit a viable point guard. And that is probably, if, if you just have a decent point, if you just get decent point guard play, they probably... I've lost, probably only lose to Western Kentucky in my mind, Um, you know, and so he's failed to recruit a viable point guard you know, Lomax is not getting it done. Ball has been okay, um, but still not like some dynamic point guard. So, and so he's in that regard, he, he, I think his recruiting, there's a hole in his recruiting. And then the other way is just that like, all these highly ranked guys, like they're not as good as their like I don't know if it's the you know, maybe I'm sure their people would say it's maybe partly the system Penny's running, but like none of these guys are as good as their recruiting rankings said they were. Like, like let's just let's just be blunt. And part of that's on Penny, like for not de- they're not developing the way they should. But like, you know, that game the other day, like Lester Cañonees looked horrendous. Like that was a horrendous performance by Lester Cañones in that game. Yeah. Um and
0: after he looks so good against Mississippi Valley State, I mean yeah, but even then
1: like he still has not shot the ball well at all. No, like they need well, yeah. him hit shots and he has not hit shots. Um Which brings up a good question, is it
0: is it time to stop relying on him? Uh is it
1: time to either make him a true point guard or never gonna be uh, a point guard. I do think if I'm penny I'm considering not not say scrapping the point guards but thinking about how can I play my how what way what is the best way to play my five best players on the court at one time and cuz neither of the point guards are one of their five best players so whether it's moving DJ to the one or moving Lester to the one or having Boogie play the one that's what I would consider doing now Boogie at the one. He did try that at the in this in this Auburn game in the second half. And it produced that really funny sequence where Musa Cese is wide open under the basket for like 5 seconds and Boogie just doesn't see him at all. Passes it to DJ and then DJ like Musa is still open and DJ finally gets him the ball and he gets an and one. And Musa, his first reaction isn't celebrating getting a big and one in, you know, in a crunch, in a crucial moment of the game. It's to run to Boogie yelling, pass me the ball, pass me the ball. Which I know we talked about
0: this before we started recording, and I know your thoughts on that. But I see I'll I'll fill everybody in. You you saw saw that as a you saw that as a negative uh, you saw that as a negative as as Musa uh Musa's reaction sh- should have been something other than going after boogie and um, I don't know if admonishing him is the right word uh, but I saw it uh, as as a good thing I mean boogie is not uh has not I don't think he's got a nose for the point guard position and I took like the other thing is I, I took that is a positive from 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 Musa Sissay to sort of go after him and and you know say hey uh, you should have passed me the ball maybe he should have done it later but I, I thought it was good especially coming from Musa who is a very young freshman who is still learning himself for him to identify uh, a pretty glaring error made by Boogie Ellis in the moment. And then for him to, like, step up and be a, a leader almost and say, hey, next time, get me the ball when I'm wide open under the goal. You know, I I, I, I can see it both ways, but I also see it um, as as something, a positive development, if you
1: will, uh, out of Musa Cisse. Well, look, they, they should have, they have the makings of a nice trio with Le- Boogie Landers and DJ. Like, that should be... Like, that should be as good as any trio outside of Houston in the AAC. Like, yeah. those Houston guards might be better than that trio in, on paper. And, you know, again, in, in actual functionality, it's not tr- the, What's on paper for this Memphis team is not translating completely to the court yet. That, and that, that's, that's, that's an issue. Yeah. But with those three guys, like, all three of them have shown at various points this year that they can put the ball in the bucket Um, and it's just about figuring out a way to like, so like all three of them have not gotten, got, you know, have not had a good game together. It feels like. And I think part of that is the lack of a point guard or a lack of a good point guard Um, that doesn't help things. Um, But I don't know. It just feels like, like, I just feel like the criticism of Penny i think it's fair but i think the way what he's being criticized for in this instance um doesn't make a ton of sense to me when you go back and watch that auburn game like i think you can make fun of not make fun of i think you can criticize just like his overall management of the program like in terms of you know whether it's the iarp case that's hanging over things whether it's you know, the not recruiting, not, being able to, not recruiting a point guard of yeah. a viable point guard or and the guys he did recruit not being able to, you know, get them to to gel. Like we're a year and you know, we're you know, I know it's only seven games of this season, but these guys have been playing together for 37 games now at this point. Right. 38 games. if you include uh, last year? And, don't you know, forget!
0: Don't forget about the uh, don't forget about the exhibitions and the Bahamas trip. I mean that you know,
1: and they still don't look like they 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 don't look like they've played together very much. Um, and well, so and then the, and then another another the don't look like they quite fit. There's a lot of interesting pieces, but right. it's right. it's like a bunch of corner pieces. You know, you don't have the stuff in the middle that makes it all work. Um, like you got all the edges, but you don't have the guts you know, of the puzzle, it feels like. And maybe they're there and you just haven't been able to snap them into place. Or maybe you got to get some more pieces. I don't know. Um, But obviously it's not going uh, completely as planned. What did you make of... uh, I thought it was interesting what Penny uh, put on his Instagram story. Was it last night? Yeah. Um, He was watching film... Looked like in the Laurie Walton center of the Auburn game, and he had it paused at Memphis was up 33 30 with 311 remaining in the first half. And he put the screenshot up uh of it of just the, the the game film and he wrote um study sessions after a loss are tough, but learning from it is the win. I appreciate the fans who are being patient. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, so kind of the first time that I can recall Penny very, uh, you know, Penny. I, I think Penny's aware of what's being said about him, but I, I don't think I recall. I can recall him, do, you know, tweeting about it or putting a social media post out about it. Um, quite so, uh, I guess, uh, directly is that one. Um,
0: usually, yeah, usually he reserves that sort of stuff for like when he's talking to us. There was a, a, there was a time last year when you know he talked about um, the people who the people outside the program who were kind of getting in the players' ears and things like that, and he was sort of using the media to um, to sort of spark that conversation or, or, or address that issue. Uh, but yeah, no, this is this is the first time where he's gone he's taken to social media to um, at the very least let people know that he hears it, that he's not, he's not in a bubble, even though he's, you know, they, they are kind of trying to be in a bubble uh, during this uh, time of COVID-19. Um, but he, he's not completely in a bubble. He's not unaffected by the uh, by, by what's being said.
1: I also think it's a sign. Whereas the first two years, There was a little bit of criticism of Penny. Maybe last year it picked up, but like it was never from like any of the diehards, any people that would like see Penny Hardaway. It was like, you know, more of your, it was more of your garden variety internet troll criticism. Right. Whereas now I think this season, because it's year three, because it feels like he needs to make the NCAA tournament that you're seeing some people with people who actually have some real investment in the program, if you will um, people who Penny would actually hear from they're being critical. I think that's what this is a sign of um, at the same time, like this, not like, like it's nonsense. If you're talking about Penny Hardaway being fired, like, I don't know if there is anyone like it, it feels like it's one of those echo chamber things. Like one random person says it. And then when you check these message boards or whatever, everyone's like, I can't believe people are saying this. And it's like, well, actually just one person is saying this. Right, right. 600 people responding, you're crazy. But, like, I know Penny doesn't have a contract for next year at the moment. But, you know, I think, like, even if things totally collapse this year, I still don't know if I see a scenario where he's not the coach next year. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: Anybody suggesting that that's even remotely possible I think is is kidding themselves.
1: Yeah. Um, the only way he like I, I think the only, like the only way Penny's not the coach next year is if Penny decides he doesn't want to be the coach next year. Right, right, that's right. That's how I would phrase it. Yeah. Um, you know and so um, it you know I, I I I I'm curious though he says you know I'm I'm appreciative of the fans that are being patient. And, and I just – I do wonder, like, how, what, how patient should we be? Like, I, I, I'm in the mode right now where I'm willing to be, be patient just because, I, like I've said all along, to me, how I'm going to judge Penny Hardaway on this season is, is he coaching in an NCA tournament game? If he's not, I'm going to be critical of him because I think he should be in the – sh- this team should make the tournament. Uh, and if he is, I think the season's been a success like given everything that's going on whatever like that that's what he needs to do this year and at 4 and 3 with losses to Auburn, Western Kentucky and VCU they are not out of the NCAA tournament at this point. They've made it more difficult to make it, but they are not out of it yet. So I'm not ready to like just, you know, dump on Penny. And and like I said, I thought I thought he did a pretty decent job in that Auburn game. I did not gum away from that go away from that Auburn game going, man, Bruce Pearl wiped the floor with Penny. Like that didn't decide the game. Um it was missed free throws and missed layups and things like that. That's what decided that game. Um and, and you, Yeah. You, so. you you were talking a little
0: bit earlier about um some of the macro issues that that Penny Hardaway does could could you know where where criticism is warranted, and he has said himself that they practically spend every minute of their practices focusing on defense and not just working on defense, but um, intense defense, like diving on the floor uh, for for long stretches of practice and boxing out constant, working on boxing out constantly and, 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 and uh, you know, pressuring the ball constantly. And, and the other, I mean, speaking just about Auburn in the first half, they were five of 11 from three Mm -hmm. Um, in the second half, they were one for 10. And, you know, usually if you're getting open looks and you're missing them, in the second half of games, it's because you're worn out. And I I just, you know, that's another thing. Like maybe Penny should uh, take his foot off the gas a little bit in these practices, give the guys a chance to rest their legs and, and, and see what happens at that point. If that works, uh, if that doesn't work, then, then, you know, try something else.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the reality. They're four and three. Probably, I'm going to be honest, going to need to go like 15 and five or 16 and four in conference play, something like that. It's probably what you know to feel good about as you head into the conference tournament. Um, but that's a long ways off, like with the way they're playing, they like, let's just you know win these first two win at Tulane, and then you get, um, on Monday before the Christmas holiday, who do they play? They play Tulsa, Tulsa at home. Yeah. Um, so you get Tulane on the road Wednesday, then Tulsa at home on Monday night. Got to win both, um, and then you get eight days off for Christmas. Um, so Memphis, luckily, is not like one of the. Although I don't, it'll be interesting. We'll have to ask Penny. I, I'll be curious to know if the players are going to be allowed to go home or not, given the COVID situation. Um, yeah, good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but when memphis plays to lane on wednesday there is a distinct possibility they could be playing that game finally with deandre williams um were the reports were at the end of last week that the division one council is going to vote on wednesday so on the 16th um as to as to whether to approve this uh proposal in which anyone who's applied for a transfer waiver this year will just get it. Will just will just get it. Um, everyone will be eligible um, given the, the the pandemic and everything, um, which would mean you know if it's passed and it's been recommended to pass. So usually when it gets recommended to pass, the D1 council will pass it. So potentially Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, the NCA could vote on this transfer waiver waiver if you will um and Wednesday night DeAndre Williams could be playing against Tulane certainly he could be playing Monday against Tulsa at FedEx Forum but even even as close as Wednesday and and Penny said after the Auburn game you asked him Jason Penny said we we wouldn't have lost these three games if we had DeAndre Williams um so what do you what do you make of that do you are you do you know yet if DeAndre will be able to would play Wednesday if, if this goes through and, and I guess, what do you make of his, um, his, what, what, what is hopefully his imminent arrival to this, to this uh, season?
0: I don't know for sure if, you know, how the logistics of it, how the, how the, yeah, how the logistics of it would work if, if, if the vote, but I, and, and again, this is just me assuming I, I, I should um, check with some people and see what they think, but, I would assume that as soon as the vote is, uh, takes place and, um, you know, whatever the results of it are, I would assume it's effective immediately. I wouldn't think that there would need to be any sort of, uh, anything else after that. I mean, to me, the vote is the vote and, and there you have it. Um, and, and so I, I believe that if they vote Wednesday, sometime Wednesday before tip off and it's passed, then, uh, then DeAndre will be eligible right away, which would mean that he'll be able to play um, Wednesday night against against Tulane. And I would also think, given the way Penny and, and others have talked about DeAndre throughout this entire process, that that he's ready to go. Um, that that he is. They are ready to plug him in. And I mean, they thought they were getting him, you know, a uh, couple of weeks ago. They thought that he was going to be available, you know, that his his eligibility was going to be uh, cleared up a couple of weeks ago, and so I think they were probably preparing for that to be the case. Um, so my guess is is they're ready to drop him into the into the mix as soon as they're given the go ahead. Um, and and so the other thing is if that happens, uh, and we've been talking about this again for a couple of weeks, I think putting him into the lineup into the rotation, wherever he is, coming off the bench, starting, whatever it is. I think he put his presence, pushes guys closer to their to the lane that they are supposed to be in. Right now, everybody's kind of out of their lane a little bit. And not only that, I think certain guys are playing too many minutes. Malcolm Dandridge comes to mind. Um, he has not looked great. He's looked pretty good in sports in spots, but, um, I think his, his negatives outweigh his, uh, his positives. So, um, I think he, less Malcolm and more DeAndre will really help this team and not, and more DeAndre will help the other guys, um, stick to what they do best and not have to compensate. Um, it sounds
1: like he's not, he's not a shot taker. Yeah, you know, and he's he's a guy who facilitates and they need more of that within their offense. Um, and I would also say it gives a nice, you know, it, 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 for Memphis, if we're talking about this in the context of, you know, this this tough road they've given themselves then say tournament, it give, if they're good with DeAndre, it will it, the, the, the good with DeAndre and the bad without him will be uh, the good will be accentuated. And the bad will be um, not forgotten, but it it will be, you'll have a nice narrative to explain it. You know, like from a narrative perspective, you're thinking this if you're on the NCAA tournament selection committee, and, you, you know, if you're Memphis and you're good with DeAndre, like these 20 game conference games with DeAndre, you go, let's say you go 15 and five or something like that, and you're right on the cusp, you're 19 and eight, you know, this season going into selection Sunday or something like that. And, you know, you're on the edge. Well, that's a nice narrative that you can, that can be sold to the selection committee. Well, you know, they went four and three, but, you know, look at how good they were once DeAndre Williams was back. You see it all the time in regular year, you know, non-pandemic years. So I actually think it's a nice uh, boost, if you will, uh, not just from, you know, what DeAndre can give them on the court, but what he's, his presence will provide off the court in a narrative form in narrative form, just because if it works out the way Penny says it will work out with him, I think it'll, you know, it can, it can negate some of the damage you've done with these three losses, I guess is probably the best way to put it.
0: Yeah. Like, like look at us now and look at how things were when we didn't have him. We have him now. This is the team we have now. Uh, judge us based on the games where we've had him, and and not so much on the games where we didn't have him.
1: Yeah. Um, any concerns about uh, Tulane? Tulane is four and zero, Jason. I don't know if you realize that. Coming off a win over Arkansas, Arkansas Pine Bluff, um, they've beaten they've beaten the Murderers' Row, Jason. They've beaten Lamar. They beat Lipscomb by two. They beat your uh, your 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 USM your Southern Miss felt guys by twenty, and then they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff all at home. Um, So, um, and they've got it's like a totally new team Tulane uh, compared to last year. They are led by um, Jordan Walker this year, who is a redshirt junior, uh, five eleven guard. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he, he, he transferred, he, he played at Seton Hall, um, to start his career, but was on Tulane, was actually on Tulane's team last year, but Tulane is, Tulane is considered the worst team in the AAC, uh, both by the media and by Ken Pomp. So
0: I I I know Tulane too well right now because they held Southern Miss to 38 points,
1: 12 points in the first half. Uh, You know Southern Miss. They look like the opposite of last year's. Like they're pretty good defensively, right? um, And they're pretty bad offensively. Is yeah,
0: they've got they've got the seventh best effective field goal percentage defense, and they're ranked 14th in the country in two point field goal percentage defense, Mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, they haven't really played anybody yet. I, I figure that, uh, you know, we'll see what that defense looks like on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll be very interesting. All right. Well, we'll have plenty of coverage of the Tulane game and as well as uh, on Monday, the Tulsa game up at commercial Um And then, uh, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully the Tigers can uh, get it going. Now that conference play has started, Um, we'll join you next week, probably after that Tulsa game, right before the Christmas holiday, give you something to, to chew on, uh, while you're hanging out with the family. Um, but till next time I was Mark, I was joined by Jason. Thanks so much. And, uh, we'll talk to you next week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.